0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to ADHD Remission. Today, we're going to be talking about saturated fat. So, um, there is not a lot of really high-quality literature on this. There's a lot of literature on it, but um, it's all all epidemiology. And, um, all right, let's take a step back. So, if you're new here, um, I'm Franklin. I'm 17. Used to have ADHD. Used to take 108, yep, not 112, 108 milligrams of Concerta every single day. Now I don't. Now I take nothing. And I feel fantastic every single day. Tons of energy. Tons of focus. Meditating. Doing work every day. feel great. Right? Um, I can pretty confidently say, although, you know, some people might observe me and say I have ADHD just because I have a lot of energy, but I have no problems with my attention. I have no problems with my energy. I would not qualify myself as ADHD. Uh, Maybe, you know, some teacher who doesn't like kids, <laughs> being kids, um, might say that I have, whatever, doesn't matter, um, I just wanted to say that, because a lot of times in these episodes, I'm very energetic about what I'm talking about, and some of you might be like, this guy, obviously, <laughs> there's no way this guy is remiss, but I mean, when it comes to, if you see me in like day-to-day tasks, um, it's pretty obvious that um, I have a high level of focus, with no medications, uh, no stuff, I do take um, a couple supplements. I take a good number of supplements, but none of them are for ADHD. They are for other things. Um, today, we're going to be talking about, and this is obviously ADHD remission. This is going to be the podcast where I'm going to help you achieve the same result, not the same exact result, because you might not want to um, you know, do the same self-improvement stuff that I've done. You might just want to do the the other five. Maybe not um, you know, <laughs> go to Tibet and become a monk. Well, I didn't do that, but You don't have to go all the way with the stuff. Um, You you might not see complete remission, but I can 100% guarantee you, you will at least see a massive improvement in your symptoms from the advice I'm going to give you. It's going to require really no effort to implement. Today is one of those topics. Um, Today's topic is saturated fat. So this one, like I hinted to at the very beginning, um, it's not going to be going into as much any literature really at all. Actually, you know, yeah, we're, we, we we could go into some literature, but I'm not going to be talking a lot about it for uh, studies for ADHD. We're going to be talking about the literature um, on saturated fat in general, and there's this consensus that saturated fat causes disease, causes heart disease, you know, raises cholesterol, all this stuff, right? People who eat saturated fat diet earlier um, causes inflammation. That one, <laughs> I really haven't seen any. Um, Reasonable mechanisms for, and we know um, we've eaten lots of saturated fat for our entire evolution, and um, you look at contemporary hunter-gatherers, they have very low inflammation, so I just don't see how the inflammation part is really possible. Um, and before we even get started, I want you guys, I'm, I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of information. Um, there's nobody who will debate that grass-fed, um, grass-fed meat, grass-fed beef, or grass-fed steaks are healthier than grain-fed meat, right? There's no one who's really going to debate that. Um, Tyson was messing with the regulators trying to, you know, get the definition of whatever. No one's really going to argue that um, cows who are fed grass, that meat is lower quality than cows who are fed grain. What is the actual difference between this meat? You might have heard, like, grass-fed, grain-fed, grass-fed, grain-fed. grain is the actual difference between this meat? Well... Uh, the first difference is, well, they spray stuff on the grains. Uh, well, I guess if you get organic, then they won't. But the main difference, and if it's soy, then they're going to have a little bit more estrogen. They're going to have less DHT. What is the main difference? Well, first of all, the main difference is that um, if you get like a whole, if you get like a cut, not if you get like ground beef because it's going to be like the fat ratio is going to be weighed out. But if you get like uh, like a ribeye or something, the the um, it's less fat and this is one question I have for any of these freaking experts who are telling us that soy is a superfood. Why do, when we feed cows soy, they get fat, and we feed, when we feed them grass, they're less fat? What's the difference? Grass has less polyunsaturated fatty acids. That is really the only difference that there is. Um, that is really the only difference between grass-fed and grain-fed meat. Is the omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. Um, that's not the biggest difference. The biggest difference is just the amount of PUFA. You'll see in grass-fed meat, it has more saturated fat. Grain-fed meat has less saturated fat. Especially when you take chicken, uh, chicken and pigs and stuff like that. When you have cows and other ruminants, it's the difference is more marginal because they have four stomachs and they're able to convert poly, able to convert unsaturated fats into saturated fats. Why are cows' bodies converting unsaturated fats into saturated fats if they're so bad for us? Right, saturated fats are more beneficial. Um, and they do this and and, and I'm not, I'm not gonna say that, um, I'm not gonna say that. That's, that's a topic for a different episode, but I just want you to think about, you know, we've, we've, we've been told the grass fed meat. What's the difference? Grass fed meat has more saturated fat. And I saw, I looked this up. Oh God, this is really sneaky. I think, I I don't know if it was WebMD. It might've been, I don't know who it was, but they said that it had less saturated fat and less fat in total. And they added that a little bit at the end, like as a disclaimer. That is a lie. It has a higher proportion. It has less saturated fat because it has less fat in general, but it has more saturated fat. It has a higher uh, proportion, a higher ratio of saturated to unsaturated. So that was that, that, that took too long. But I just want you to think about there's just so many inconsistencies in this, in this saturated fat agenda. Okay, let, let's examine the claim that saturated fat is bad for you. Um, there's really not that many plausible mechanisms for it actually being inflammatory or causing any insulin resistance because um, it's something we've eaten for two million years and we never got insulin resistance on any of that now we're getting insulin resistance Um, that any of those arguments uh, you're only really going to see it from any like Researchers who are, you know, doctors could put that forward. They could be well intentioned, but any researchers that you're really going to see pointing that stuff forward, I would recommend. <laughs> I'd recommend you look at the the funding section of the the research, right? But what is the main argument against saturated fat? The main argument against saturated fat is that it raises cholesterol. It raises LDL. Why does it do this? Why does it? Has anyone ever asked why does it raise LDL? It doesn't just raise LDL, by the way, it raises HDL. So this theory of, you know, sat LDL accumulates and then HDL, like, blocks it out. Um, if the LDL goes up and the HDL goes up, it's not really a problem. And this is why you see it's kind of dangerous when diabetics eat a lot of red meat. And those are the main people who eat a lot of red meat. So they're like, oh, these people are getting heart disease. And it's like, yeah, because they have low HDL. Because insulin resistance causes low HDL. What is insulin resistance caused by? Well, I think it's caused by... Uh, PUFAs. But you can get your HDL to a low point, and then you can still get your LDL up with the saturated fats as long as you're eating a lot of both, and that's what's really going on in our current society. Um, my personal theory, um, and this is supported by not that much research because there's not really a lot of stuff on it. My theory for the mechanism um, in which polyunsaturated fats lower blood cholesterol is because um, they damage the liver and they signal scarcity to the liver and it makes the liver retain cholesterol. So, what am I talking about here? Um, and this is why it doesn't, they lie and they say, oh, it just lowers, it actually lowers HDL as well. Linolytic acid lowers HDL as well as LDL, it lowers both of them. But they won't say that, they'll just say that it lowers LDL. And conveniently, also for saturated fat, they're going to tell you it raises LDL. They won't tell you that it also raises HDL. So, um, I, I want you to think about this in like an evolutionary perspective. What did we eat evolutionarily? We ate. Uh, fruits and honeys, but mainly our, our main source of food is meat, especially if you're from, you know, you're. it doesn't even matter. Most, the vast majority of places, you know, so there's some like uh, niche, like fringe vegan cultures, but the vast majority of our hunter-gatherer ancestors, a lot of our diet, most of our diet came from meat when the first farmers, actually, I'm not going to say that. I'm, I'm not entirely, yeah, I'm not sure if that's true, but um, I know that this is true. As hunter-gatherers, we ate a ton of meat. Um, and this is just what we evolved eating. So if you're getting lots of meat, if you're doing all this stuff, you're signaling abundance to your body. You're telling your body, okay, we don't have to worry about survival right now. We can worry about thriving and reproducing. Um, When you eat polyunsaturated fats, what your body detects is you're eating nuts. Now, I want you to do something very quickly with me. I want you to search up what a cashew tree looks like. Or no, let's, let's, let's do a walnut tree. I want you to search up what a walnut tree looks like. And then you're going to realize how we did not eat this stuff as uh, hunter-gatherers. And this is ridiculous when you search up the keto diet, or the not the keto diet, the paleo diet. Um, it'll say, you know, nuts and vegetables. We were not eating nuts. Like, we were, you would have, you'd be starving to have to eat one of these nuts. Look up a walnut tree. Look at that. That is super hard to get open. And once you get open, once you actually, it's a ton of work. And that is a very small amount of calories. And on top of the fact that it's a small amount of calories it tastes really bad. It's going to mess up your gut. And uh, it's just gonna make you feel terrible because of all the PUFA, all the polyunsaturated fatty acids. Um, So when you eat, when you consume polyunsaturated fatty acids, what your body evolutionarily thinks is that you're eating nuts and nuts signal to your body that um, something is terribly wrong. So, or seeds or any of that. Um, Like evolutionarily, we did not really eat a lot of seeds. The seed is a very protected part of the plant. It's gonna have a lot of, um, you know, defense chemicals. And you've heard that these aren't really that bad. Uh, I don't know if they're not really that bad. They raise serotonin a lot. They irritate the gut. That really <laughs> leads to more serotonin release. We know ADHD high serotonin is problematic because serotonin lowers dopamine, which is the main important thing in ADHD. So very quick, cool I just wanted to explain the kind of the difference that your body senses. When you're like eating an animal fat with omega nine monounsaturated and um, and saturated and very low amounts of polyunsaturated, or if you're eating, you know, some vegetable oil which is like twenty percent polyunsaturated, or God forbid, you know, listening too much to the world economic forum got you eating insects that's like thirty or forty percent. That's really bad. You do not want to be consuming that insane amount of linoleic acid. And you've linoleic acid is heart healthy. Mm. Not so sure. Very prone to lipid oxidation, lipid peroxidation. What does that mean? Well, when you have free fatty acids in your blood, after you eat the fats, um, after they're, you know, they're, they're going in your bloodstream, uh, if you have any free radicals in your bloodstream, which you almost assuredly do because of environmental toxins, um, those polyunsaturated that linoleic acid, it's going to oxidize very easily. Um, the DHA and EPA, those omega-3s, they're going to oxidize even easier. You know what happens when those oxidize? They create from aldehyde, benzene, acrolein, free radicals. More free radicals. Not good. Um, saturated fats, uh, they have no of uh, those double bonds. So they're going to be very hard to oxidize even from the free radicals. Um, but yeah, so they don't just oxidize when you're cooking with them, although they will oxidize when you're cooking with them. They don't just oxidize, um, you know, in transport, but they will oxidize in transport. They don't just oxidize um, during production, but they absolutely will oxidize during production it, it somehow, if you've gotten these into your body and they haven't oxidized yet, let's say you're, you're eating like a nut or something, like a like a some like raw like whatever. Let's say you get that in your body, <laughs> there's a good chance it's just gonna oxidize <laughs> in your bloodstream anyways. So, I I would, uh, pollen's I'm not a fan. Um, they lower dopamine. Um, they raise serotonin significantly. They have negative effects on the liver. That's why the liver retains the cholesterol. And um, last but not least. <laughs> Polyunsaturated fats are very highly anti-androgenic, and this is one of the um, most shocking things I have not seen any of these experts address. Um, This is very, very well known, and it's so hard to replicate that they won't even try and come up with any fake research for this. So polyunsaturated fatty acids. We can just look up testosterone, and I hope this isn't some epidemiology because that would go against my point. Okay. Okay, well, the first for me is DIA, I don't know what that is, so I'm not going to really. But it does say, while increased intakes of PUFAs actually decreased. That's true. So. Okay, this is, I'm not coming up, I'm coming up with a lot of opinion pieces here. Let's see, PUFA androgens. Alright, whatever. I can't find any. I can't find any studies here. Oh, here's a study. Okay. This is not a study. Bro, okay. Let's just get back to it. This is very well known in the literature. I can't find any literature. But okay, omega-3 supplementation. So, omega here's, here's the thing that contradicts what I'm saying. Omega-3 supplementation improves um, testosterone. Is that even what it came to? Oh, no! <laughs> That's not even what it came to. All right, Omega-3 supplementation could reduce serum concentrations of testosterone and regulate menstrual cycle. Um, I honestly was not expecting that. I was expecting omega-3 to increase it because um, it contradicts some of the negative effects of omega-6. But again, it's still a polyunsaturated fatty acid, so it's still going to damage the testicles. It's still going um, to damage testosterone production. And much more important than that, or, yeah, equally or much more important than that, it's going to actually directly downregulate an enzyme called 5-alpha reductase. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to be getting too technical on you guys here. I'm trying to give you um, kind of useful things, but I'm really trying to hammer into you guys. This saturated fat stuff is a freaking lie, okay? It's a lie. Oh, I haven't even addressed the the cholesterol thing yet. But um, we do know that these things not only decrease testosterone, it's very well documented. This is irrefutable, and they'll actually tout this as a benefit because they're more... (laughs) Um, unfortunate research (laughs) uh, that's funded that shows that um, there's negative effects of DHT Uh, I don't agree with that and DHT is very important for ADHD especially for us Um, DHT is very important for dopamine production it's 2.5 to 10 times more androgenic than testosterone itself so this is going to be very beneficial for our dopamine production very beneficial for our energy very beneficial for ADHD even if you're a woman Um, You do not want to be having low testosterone or, you know, low androgens. As a woman, it's going to lead to a lot of problems. This is what we're seeing with birth control, blood clots, fatigue, weight gain, mood changes, all all sorts of um, (laughs) suboptimal conditions. So now let's address the cholesterol and the heart disease. This is another thing that's been hammered into you, although now they're kind of going back on this uh, because... they they come up with other trash research that doesn't match it. So when I say trash research, I mean I mean observational research. This in my opinion is not really science. It's just although whatever. It's just looking at people who eat more saturated fat and people who eat more unsaturated fat and saying, Oh, people who eat more saturated fat have more heart disease. It must have something to do with the saturated fat. So Asians have higher IQ than white people Um, If I get a race transplant and become Asian, (laughs) I'm sure I'll have higher... No, it's ridiculous. And the fact that no one for a long time thought to question this, it's just the most obvious correlation causation. And the mechanism is so ridiculous. The cholesterol, uh, high cholesterol is not problematic in healthy people. It's problematic in people with diabetes and insulin resistance who have low HDL. And if that LDL-HDL theory is even true they would have um, an inability to clear the LDL. I'm just going to assume that is it is for this video because I haven't actually looked into that theory directly. No matter, even if it is, it doesn't support their point um, because you can just have high HDL and then you'll be chilling, right? So, um, like I said, it's epidemiology. It's observational. Observational research does have some value, but when you have such conflicting results, you definitely cannot draw anything positive from it. Um, ugh, not a fan. So... Um, Saturated fat is incredibly important for ADHD. There's some... I saw... I have Saturated fat, ADHD. A diet high in saturated fat can increase your chances of having ADHD. Yeah. Eating a more Western-style diet with processed food and saturated fat has been found in some studies to double the odds of having ADHD. Interesting that they match the Western diet with saturated fat when the Western diet is basically just all seed oils. <laughs> Not a lot of saturated fat there. You know, they think, oh, chips, you know, uh, French, that's not saturated fat. French fries, McDonald's has basically no saturated fat. It's fried with these heart-healthy vegetable oils that <laughs> create, <laughs> oh, that McDonald's statistic is, or not statistic, that McDonald's is a fun fact. One of my favorites. I'll ask you right now, would it be acceptable to you? And then you're never going to get McDonald's ever again after you think about this. Would it be acceptable to you if I hand you a cigarette? Would you, would it be a, an acceptable health decision to smoke that entire cigarette? No. What about 2? What about 5? What if I give you 10? What if I give you 10 cigarettes right now and I told you smoke these 10 cigarettes, is that a, an acceptable decision to make um in 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 context of your health? Is that is that a logical decision to make to smoke 10 cigarettes right now? Right now? In a span of, you know, five minutes, smoke, 10, ignoring, of course, how hard that would be just to absorb all the chemicals that are in 10 cigarettes. Would you be willing to do that? I'll give you five seconds. Probably freaking not, (laughs) right? So um, now I'll ask you, would you eat a cup of McDonald's french fries? Is that acceptable to you? Okay. It is. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe it is. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Well, um, one McDonald's french fry, one cup of McDonald's french fries has more acrolein, which is the main oxidative breakdown product of tobacco than 46 cigarettes. So if you wouldn't smoke one cigarette, you definitely probably wouldn't smoke two, wouldn't smoke five Definitely wouldn't smoke 10, but you're smoking 46 every single time you eat one of those McDonald's French fries. It's not because of freaking saturated fat. It's not because of Western, Western. It's not because that. It's because polyunsaturated fats are very prone to oxidation. And when they oxidize, guess what they create? They create acrylene. They create formaldehyde. They create benzene. They didn't even test for formaldehyde or benzene. Um, obviously, there's other things in cigarettes like tar, things like that. But, I mean, even... I'm sure that would cause one cup of McDonald's French fries would cause more oxidation than, let's say, maybe five or maybe even eight cigarettes or maybe even ten. saturated fats, not a fan. I think these things cause so many problems. Um, If you don't believe in anything, it's not really debatable that they do raise serotonin, which is going to have a negative impact on your dopamine. Um, It's not really debatable that they um, oxidize and create formaldehyde and benzene, even if you have the cleanest form of PUFA ever. In your bloodstream, if you have any free radicals, the free radicals are going to oxidize the PUFA. So you're kind of getting it no matter what. There's not really a lot of room for debate there. Um, well, else? It's not really debatable that they reduce testosterone. It's very, very well documented. Maybe there's some, you know, epidemiology that shows that, you know, maybe people who, whatever. It's, it's correlation, right? You have one person doing yoga, you have the other person riding motorcycles, drinking alcohol, smoking cigarettes. Um, Sure, it's not unsaturated fats. But yeah, um, so all those problems, and it blocks DHT as well, which is not going to be beneficial for ADHD because DHT is very important for dopamine production. Guys, unsaturated fats, and I'm not talking about monounsaturated fats. Monounsaturated fats are fine. Um, monounsaturated fats are not that dissimilar from saturated fats. Saturated means it has no double bonds. Monounsaturated means it has one. Um, polyunsaturated means it has two or more. Um These are gonna be harder to oxidize. They're still gonna oxidize a little bit easier than saturated fats, but it's not really gonna be a huge problem. Um, But they are more likely to oxidize during transport. Um, They're not, and during cooking, they're not likely at all to oxidize once they actually get into your bloodstream. Um, But, you know, in transport or maybe if you're doing some high temperature, that could be problematic. Uh, But in general, monounsaturated is gonna be fine. We ate a ton of monounsaturated evolutionarily. Guess what? We didn't eat a lot of uh, evolutionarily. Polyunsaturated. Um, You know, I have no idea if this statistic is true, but I'm just going to say anyways. (laughs) You can, you know, have your Reuters, or my mom told me Reuters, Reuters fact check. Um, But we had 2%, um, I think it's 2% linoleic, maybe 2%, I think it was 2% linoleic acid in the Ice Age. And now we have like, I think it's like 20 or like 25. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree with a lot of this like new science, which is just completely based on epidemiology. It's completely based on um, paid for research. Uh, for example, we have the American Heart Association, and you know I do like to sometimes when I say crazier stuff, I do like to give a medical disclaimer. You know I'm not a doctor. I'm 17. <laughs> I'm just a kid who reverse ADHD. Um, I would not recommend if if, if you have the diabetes at the very least. If you have diabetes. Do not start, you know, scarfing down sticks and, and eggs. Um eggs are actually not even that high in saturated fat anymore because they're fed soy. Um they have like twenty percent polyunsaturated fat as much as freaking canola oil. Um but yeah, disclaimer, I, I would not at least at least email me. <laughs> All right. At least email me. Like you don't maybe you're not gonna listen to at least email me. Cause then and and whatever. All right. Um But the American Heart Association, let's talk quickly because we're at 24 minutes. I'm about to end. Let's talk quickly about the American Heart Association. Um, I've, you know, been brainwashed. Everyone's brainwashed by people for 10 years. They come to our schools. They come to have the kindergartners do jump rope. um, Tell them not to eat red meat. (laughs) Um, Tell them to eat, you know, their their vegetable oils. Make sure you eat your your daily Crisco. Um, Yeah, Crisco. What connection does the American Heart Association have to Crisco? Well, the better question to ask, what connection does the American Heart Association have to do with Procter & Gamble, the creator of Crisco, which was the first actual commercial use of um, vegetable or seed oils? So, yeah, it's very strange. This the first instance of us ever using these foods. This is in the last 120 years. Uh, I don't know if this is really going to line up with our evolution right and we've kind of seen yeah that hasn't been what's happened and we've had this weird epidemiology where people who eat more are okay but then if you look at the people who are doing the same behaviors um, among the people who are doing the same behaviors (laughs) people who eat more of these oils tend to be uh, worse off um and this is why we're seeing a lot more chronic disease in my opinion i think this is one of the major contributing factors Um, But let's talk about a brief, before we hop into the American Association, let's talk about a brief history of vegetable oils. So, um, I think, I'm pretty sure the first vegetable, or no, the first vegetable oil in in the West, in America, first vegetable oil ever was soybean oil in Japan. They've been using it for a very long time. This doesn't apply to them. Um, Although I do think that that is very terrible. And I think that uh, Asian countries, I think that a reason that um, people who live in Asia tend to be a little bit shorter, are not just because of genetics. I think it's because they eat a lot of soy, which inhibits DHC very potently. Um, but the first vegetable oil, first seed oil in America, in the West, was cottonseed oil. And we have, we were producing so much cottonseed, and we would take the cotton, or we were, we were producing a lot of cotton, and we wouldn't know what to do with the actual cottonseed. What do we do with this? Um, and then someone figured out, oh, we could take oil from this and I'm not sure the exact process, they figured this out, maybe I'm gonna get something wrong, but this is the gist of it. So, um, they figured out they had this like this lubricant, and that's what they called it, it's a lubricant. It's not food, it's a lubricant. Um, and so they would use it to you know lubricate uh, machines, because, I mean, it's an oil, um, it's probably not suitable for human consumption, it's made from a freaking cotton seed, <laughs> We've never once eaten a cottonseed throughout our evolution. You know, this is when um basically everyone's eating saturated fats and you know, we have so much heart disease and so much uh we really don't. <laughs> um, but you know, we were using we were using this cottonseed oil um to lubricate machines for a long time. And then someone figured out Um and again, this is this okay, this is the part where I'm I'm definitely gonna be wrong. Um someone figured out that you could actually eat this stuff. Or it was either that or Someone figured out that you could, it's either that or someone figured out that you could hydrogenate it, which is where you add a hydrogen to it and um, it will create, it will crystallize it and it'll turn it into crystallized cottonseed oil, also known as Crisco. Crisco was the first actual commercially available edible seed oil. So what they would do is they would add hydrogen to uh, cottonseed oil and they would turn it into crystallized cottonseed oil, Crisco. Um, and we were told that this was healthy. And um, around 1948, things started getting really crazy. Um, Where we this stuff was really started getting pushed on us. Let me see. Um, when did we find out that trans fats were 1990s? Oh wow, that's way later than I thought. So this actually had an impact for a very long time. I was wondering if Crisco got, you know, canceled before that. Um, But 1948, something very interesting happened. So we have the creator of Crisco, the first seed oil, Procter & Gamble. As we know, one of the most um, evil companies (laughs) in the history of the world. It's not even a conspiracy theory. You can just go to their Wikipedia and you will quickly realize that these are some um, (laughs) questionable people. So what happened between the American Heart Association and Procter & Gamble? So the American Heart Association, um, interesting, was not very American. Um, for the first, I think it started in 1924, 19, and then they, this happened in 1948. So the first for the first 24 years, or not, 26 years of their existence, um, the American Heart Association was very, very local. They were very underfunded. They didn't really have a lot going on. Um, until something very interesting happened in nineteen forty eight so Procter and Gamble was hosting a radio show where they were giving very kind and gracious gifts to organizations um you know, just a little bit of charity, just a little bit of fun, just a little bit of uh everyday Procter and Gamble activities. What ended up happening is um the American Heart Association was given by Procter and Gamble today's equivalent of twenty million dollars. So imagine that you have a nonprofit, you're working out with volunteers, no funding. Um, And then suddenly it gets $20 million. Huh. Interesting. So what did they start proposing? Guess what? I want you to guess. I want you to take a wild guess. I want you to take the wildest guess. What do you think the American Heart Association started doing when Procter & Gamble gave them $20 million? They started saying saturated fats are bad. This you know vegetable fat that we made solid by adding hydrogen to it is way more healthy. And I don't even know what justification they use because I'm not very knowledgeable on the trans fats period. But I am knowledgeable on this specific exchange between American Heart Association and Procter and Gamble. Why were they given twenty million dollars, and then they started promoting saturated fats are bad? And this is where they became American. This is where they went. Um, uh, I wouldn't say international, national. Now they're international. And now they're spreading cancer to everyone. <laughs> um, but um, originally, they were just spreading cancer and uh, obesity and infertility to Americans. So what happened was they started telling everyone to eat um, you know, this, this Crisco, the crystallized cottonseed oil. And this, it's very strange. They still keep the, the name Crisco. Um, my dad has some Crisco canola oil in uh, the cabinet. It just says Crisco on it. And I wonder how people don't look at this and think... Why am I trusting Procter & Gamble, Crisco, to say this is heart healthy when they said the same thing about trans fats and eh, turned out wasn't so heart healthy. turned out it was very, very dangerous. Um, and then the American Heart Association, uh, you know, did some bending over backwards, some, you know, backtracking, some, yeah, backpedaling, whatever you want to call it. And now they're telling us to eat vegetable oils. We're going to look up heart healthy oils. Most heart-healthy oils. Oh, American Heart Association. is the first one. Healthy cooking oils. Let's see. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My conspiracy theory just came true. So I said a couple episodes ago that they were slowly um, warming us up to olive oil not being in the mainstream. They're warming us up to eating vegetable and seed oils, like just straight up vegetable oils instead of olive oil. Um, and here it is, <laughs> firsthand. So um, any you know, quote credible health organization would tell you like all the o- antioxidants which don't <laughs> really do anything um, are are very and the polyphenols are very helpful for you, very um, very important, very good. Um, but now we're seeing, as I predicted especially with the, the quote the fake Mediterranean diet um they're pushing all of out of the limelight <laughs> so we have first canola then we have corn corn is very interesting to me um as you probably know corn is one of our top it's one of the top two crops i'm pretty sure it's definitely one of the top three crops grown in the u.s why not to be fed to humans um well, now they've tricked us into being fed to humans. Why is it grown? It's fed. It's, we, we, we grow it. Why do we not grow wheat? Why do we not grow oats? Why do we not grow sorghum? Why do we not grow any of these other things? It's because they're not as fattening. You know the two most fattening things ever? This is why we feed them to animals. This is why we grow all this soy and all this corn, because when animals eat them, they get really fat. Why does this happen? Their metabolism, their thyroid gets completely destroyed by polyunsaturated fatty acids. Um, completely destroyed. There's no other crops in existence which do this job as effectively as corn or soy. And the fact that corn oil, which is like literally a meme, is the second um, heart healthy oil on the American Heart Association is insane. And then we have olive, peanut, and then we have olive, and then we have peanut, safflower, soybean, sunflower. We're going to talk about peanut for a second. And then we're going to go because it's 33 minutes, and I told you 23 minutes, we were wrapping up. I want to tell you something very, very interesting about peanut oil. Very interesting. I learned this recently. I haven't heard of this from any other, you know, like-minded um, conspiracy theorists. <laughs> None of the stuff that I'm saying is really. I mean, it is, it is they're not really conspiracy theories. They're conspiracy facts. Like a consp- these people conspired, <laughs> and, and some bad stuff is going on because they conspired. It's not really a theory. Um, this is not a theory either. This is a fact. Um, so in this, you might get. Um, Turned off by this, but vaccines do, and this is not a, this is not a theory. This is a fact. You can just Google it; they'll tell you. Um, vaccines have these things called adjuvants, and what adjuvants do their their purpose is to boost the immune response to it. And how do they do this? Well, they'll include some kind of inflammatory compound, which will create some kind of acute inflammation, so that the you know the the uh, immunity is it lasts longer, does all this stuff. It's way better. Um, it's way better. I'm not sure of the exacts. That's how adjuvants work. So in adjuvant, in a vaccine, they put in something that's toxic. Sometimes they'll put uh, aluminum, and then sometimes they'll put um, formaldehyde um, and you know other inflammatory substances because it just increases the immune response. You can debate on whether one-time exposure to an inflammatory, highly bioavailable form of fluor- um, formaldehyde or aluminum is bad for you. That's not why I'm here. Um, why I'm here... I'm here to talk about adjuvant 65. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Adjuvant, yeah, adjuvant 65. Don't Google that. Don't spoil it. So what is adjuvant 65? A special kind of adjuvant that they were working on. Um, and I think this is very interesting because it's very interesting. They list it as a heart healthy oil. Um, the main ingredient in adjuvant 65, and we know adjuvants are things that, um, the purpose of them is to create an immune response because they're so toxic. Um, the main ingredient in adjuvant 65 is peanut oil. Why would they do this? Um, you know, I'll, I'll actually tell you, they don't use a Juven 65 in any vaccines. You know why? Um, it's inefficacious and it's too toxic. So um, rather than just using um, formaldehyde, you would literally get a higher amount of formaldehyde just by heating up some peanut oil and then injecting yourself with it. That would be a higher amount of formaldehyde than you know formalin or whatever they're using. It would, it would be more toxic. It would be more inflammatory than literally highly bioavailable aluminum. So the fact that they're recommending this as a heart healthy oil, when this was literally something that they used um, in vaccines to make to create a toxic immune response, <laughs> it's just like, yeah. You see, I'm I'm getting passionate about this. Like, the American Heart Association is just completely a scam. The fact that they would recommend peanut, the fact that they would recommend corn oil when the whole purpose of corn is to make animals fat. Um, peanut oil is even more insane to me because, again, they literally use it. They, they, they tested it out in vaccines as an adjuvant. What is an adjuvant? I'll remind you again. An adjuvant is something toxic and oxidative that <laughs> increases the immune response. So the uh, man. Uh, not good stuff. Oh, it's an alphabetical list. Okay, so I guess my conspiracy theory might not be so true. But nonetheless, corn oil and peanut oil... Oh, soybean oil! I just skipped over that. Soybean oil. They literally have soybean oil. So they're not recommending... And here, you'll see, they're not recommending um, sesame oil. They're not recommending these more you know esoteric high oils. Um, Why are they doing that? Because these are the things that you're going to find in your grocery store. You're going to find canola oil. You might not even find corn oil because it's just so industrial. You're going to find olive. You're going to find peanut. You're going to find safflower. You're going to find sunflower and soybean. um, They disguise it under the, uh, quote, vegetable oil. Um, You might think it's like a blend. It's usually not. You can turn around 95% of the time. (laughs) This is just soybean oil. (laughs) Oh, God, this is so sad. Yeah, the American Heart Association is just a freaking joke. Like... (laughs) (laughs) Tips for cooking with healthy oils. The healthier oils listed here are generally safe for most home cooking uses, including higher-temperature cooking, such as stir-frying and pan-frying. We do not recommend deep-frying as a cooking method. Wow, okay, that's good. Um, Turns out it's going to oxidize no matter what. And if you're lucky enough to have... It you know oxidized less than you know twenty percent. Uh, it's gonna get your blood sugar It's gonna oxidize anyways from the. It's gonna oxidize anyways from the free radical. Any oil starts to degrade once it reaches its smoke point. So if you accidentally let your smoke oil or, smoke or catch fire, get rid of it and start over. Wow, thanks. Um, yeah, not true. <laughs> Again, um, this is a questionable statement that the Harvard also put out in response to this you know sea oil uh, crisis. Um, um because everyone was worried about oxidation. They told you it only oxidizes once it hits its smoke point. Unfortunately that's only really true with um monounsaturated fats and saturated fats. Polyunsaturated fats can oxidize way below their smoke point. This is why we see um I think it's like thirty or forty percent of fish oil pills are actually just like completely oxidized. And the fish oils are not like smoking in the pill. They're just you know, it just oxidizes um below its smoking point. This is what polyunsaturated fats do because they're so susceptible to oxidation. Um, if an if oil smells bad, don't use it. When an oil is stored too long, it can become oxidized or rancid. It will have a distinct smell and you should get rid of it. Oh my god, this is just a lie. Like they they're they're lying to the people. They they know exactly what they're doing, here. they know exactly what they're doing here, and they know people are gonna follow this. They think that it's safe they know that this is untrue they know that these oils are oxidized whether they smell bad or not i'm going to tell you why right now unless you get an oil that says cold pressed it goes through a process called rbd this doesn't apply for olive oil or any of that other stuff this is for vegetable oils and seed oils if it said if it's not cold pressed not also not palm oil or coconut, some palm oil not coconut oil um uh, it's called rbd they're called RBD oils. They're literally industrial oils. They're, they're lubricants. So what RBD means is refined, bleached, and dioder, deodorized. I'm sure you can kind of guess what refined and bleached are. It involves a lot of neurotoxic solvents and other petrochemicals and endocrine disruptors and high heats, which oxidize it. And they literally heat it to like 600 degrees, 800 degrees sometimes. So how is the American Heart Association telling me that these are oils are not oxidized? Um... And they're not explicitly telling you only eat cold-pressed. If you're not eating cold-pressed, it's 100% oxidized. And the reason it's not going to smell rancid is because they deodorize it. They literally take the rancid smell out because otherwise it's literally a rotten oil. So these, ugh. If oil smells bad, don't use it. Ugh. But they, they know damn well that these oils... Smell bad until they deodorize them. You're not de- you're you're deodorizing the smell. You're not deodorizing the formaldehyde. You're not deodorizing the acrylon. You can't deodorize cancer, right? Don't reuse or reheat any cooking oil. Okay. Buy cooking oils in smaller containers to avoid waste and store them in dark, cool places uh, to keep them fresh longer. Um, More unfortunate advice, most of these seed oil containers, you can look it up, they're not in dark bottles. You get an olive oil bottle, most of them are in dark bottles. Most seed oil bottles, and this is very strange to me, they know that these things are very easily oxidized. Why are they see-through bottles? It's exposed to so much light through these see-through transparent bottles. Um, How is that not going to oxidize? Please tell me. You need light, heat, and oxygen. Why would you not cut off heat? Why would you not use a dark bottle for these incredibly fragile oils? Um, it's so strange that they don't do this. Um, and unfortunately, if you're gonna get a vegetable oil from the store, there's no way that it's not already oxidized, even if it's. I mean, they don't put cold pressed. Uh, they don't put cold pressed seed oils even in those uh, kind of crappy uh, polyethylene terephthalate containers. Anyways, but I mean, if you're, it's just lies and. I'm sorry, I just went on such a massive tangent. All right, so basically, the main takeaway is American Heart Association, a lot of these mainstream heart uh, associations, especially the American Heart Association, complete frauds, okay? And I don't care about, I do not care about defamation. I do not care about, disclaimer, American Heart Association is a fraud. Fraud, F-R-U-A-U-D. Frauds. They are lying. They lied uh, about the oils. They lied. (laughs) They recommend you use adjuvants as oils. Um, they lied about it oxidizing. They lied about the smell. They lied about all this stuff. They lied about Crisco, and they are literally got paid by Procter & Gamble. I'm sure they're still getting paid by Procter & Gamble, and now payments are harder to trace. Back then, they made it quite obvious that they were corrupt. Right now, they're trying to mask it. Um, I would avoid polyunsaturated fats. <laughs> I would avoid them. I'd avoid, oh, I would avoid seed oils. I would avoid McDonald's french fries. Um And... Stop being scared of saturated fats. I think animal fats are the most beneficial kind of fats. You're getting monounsaturated omega-9, and you're getting saturated. You're getting butyric acid, stearic acid, uh, long-chain fatty acids, uh, odd-chain. Very, very beneficial for our health. Very beneficial for your dopamine production, despite what the epidemiology says. Very good for your androgen production. Upregulates 5-alpha reductase, unlike unsaturated fats, which downregulate 5-alpha reductase. Not beneficial for ADHD, because that's going to lead to lower androgens, which are going to lead to lower dopamine. Um, I would not trust these I would not trust these I'm sorry, but I just wouldn't trust these organizations they do absolutely do not have your best interests in mind, as you just saw, just like like ten just lies in a row. It's so disappointing the American heart Association oh i just you can't imagine but uh main takeaway is yeah, stopping scarce saturated fats, avoid polyunsaturated fats, please. You want to get these as low as possible. Oh, one last disclaimer: um, you might not see results. You will see results right away from the uh, from aldehyde and the benzene and like the, your uh, stress and your inflammation levels, but you won't see you won't actually change the the the, uh, the ratios of fat in your body because um, linoleic acid <laughs> has a half life of three years, <laughs> which is um, unfortunate. Let me see: stearic acid half life. Um. What? Okay, they don't have any real information, but linoleic acid half life is three years, so it might take some time to see. Um, with adequate exercise and you know some sauna and some uh, hormesis and just good stuff in general, it'll speed up the process. Especially if you're eating a very low poofa diet. That's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Twenty twenty-two minutes. I said I was gonna about to wrap it up. Um, I think this is a high, very valuable video. This is probably one of the most valuable episodes I've made so far. Wouldn't listen to his organizations, guys. But yeah, have a good day. Eat your saturated fats. Don't be scared of them. They're good for ADHD. Although, again, if you don't feel good on them, uh, just just test it out. And if you're confused about anything ever, email me at ADHDremission at gmail.com. All right? Have a good day. I'll see you in the next episode.